Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Welcome to the Upside Down Cast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. <laughs> How's it? It's Josh Lee Quiet. Listen, that was our attempt at the Stranger Things attempt? theme. One for one recreation. One for one. Exactly <laughs> how it sounds like. Uh, well, this is an interesting bonus little episode we have for you all here. There's been another uh, uh, announcement slash preview of brand new cards in the Magic of the Gathering universe. Or should I say the Stranger Things universe. In the universes beyond, Jimmy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> many universes out there. Metaverses, multiverses. All the universes are at play in today's modern culture, including Stranger Things. And this is the first time since the Walking Dead fiasco, if we may call it that, that we've seen cards from another IP so prominently displayed in Secret Lairs. So we're going to discuss that today. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just from another IP, right? It's the me- mechanically unique yes. cards from another IP. So, yeah, a bunch of Stranger Things characters are going to be available. Are Actually, I think as you're watching this, are currently available um, in a secret layer drop. They are all all legendary creatures. I think there's one clue token. Yep. Um, and this was very controversial, obviously, when the Walking Dead thing happened. So... We're going to do a special mini-sode here just talking about this, discussing our opinions on Universes Beyond, this particular drop, all of that stuff. But first, before we go into it, we got to shout out our sponsors. Yeah. Channelfireball.com slash command. That is the place to go now to purchase all of your magic product and singles. You know, Channel Fireball has started a new marketplace, so they have a bunch of different vendors vying for your business. It's great because it drives the prices down. The inventory is huge. You can find any card you're looking for. I should also say, you can use channelfireball.com slash command. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you forget, or if you just also want to do this, you can just use the code command at checkout, which I really like uh, for affiliate links, because sometimes, I've done this before too, yeah. you mean to use the affiliate link, but you just forget to type it in <laughs> when you go there, and then you get all the way, your cart's filled, and you're like, do I have to start over? Yeah. Do I have to enter the thing again? No, you just enter code command at checkout. Yep. Uh, not to mention, you'll be able to pick up cards that are only available for a limited time in other areas like Secret Lairs. Channel Fireball Marketplace is a great place to do it. Uh, again, if you uh, buy stuff in the month of October, they're also doing tons of giveaways. Oh, that's right. So at least $10. The month is winding more. down too. So yep. we're almost getting to the grand prizes, which are things like Black Lotuses and stuff. Ooh, yep. very exciting. So make sure you do that. Uh, yep. Also, big shout out to our sponsor, Ultra Pro. They supply the play mats, the sleeves, the deck boxes, all the things that we put on our battlefields when we play on Game Nights, when we play in our own personal play groups. Josh and I have been trusting them for years and years. And when you get those cool, sweet cards, including some of these nine legendaries, you're going to want to sleeve them up, keep them protected so that you can play with them forever and ever. Yeah, Ultra Pro really is the best way to protect all of your game pieces they're the ones jimmy and i trust yeah yep uh and then there's another way to support all our content that is limited time also for us right now in fact it's winding down we have a kickstarter going on for um some tokens we ha- we commissioned josiah cameron the artist to create uh, a bunch of the most used the most commonly used tokens in magic but with 
you know, the faces of all of your favorite guests from Game Nights on yeah. them. There's like Graham Stark as a bear token, which I really, really <laughs> like. Uh, Olivia as a buff squirrel. Oh, yeah. Olivia flexing. Josh is looking at a treasure token, yeah. and I'm a giant, cool 5-5 dragon, obviously. And there's also uh, a double-sided playmat available in that Kickstarter. There are gold foil border tokens that are really, really sweet. Anyway, the links are in the show notes, but it's a Kickstarter, so the time is running out. There's only, I think, a few days left at the time you're watching yep. this. So if you want to order them, it's just like all our merch. Once they're gone from the Kickstarter, we're not going to make them ever again. So Bye-bye. Yep. All right. Let's get into the main topic here. Stranger Things have happened. Stranger Things, secret <laughs> layer. Um, so we're not going to do a, a full-on breakdown of each of these cards like we would. We're going to talk about them a little at the end and maybe a, a couple of ways we might think about building the decks. But really what we wanted to talk about on this episode was the controversy sort of surrounding universes beyond, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the idea and implementation of bringing outside IP into magic in this way. We obviously covered it a little when Walking Dead happened. We wanted to sort of check in and see if our feelings have changed a little bit. Yeah, and obviously the reason that we're doing this as a Commander channel is that this actually affects Commander most likely out of More all any, of the formats. Yeah. yeah, especially with the text on these cards. So as players of the Commander format, you're the one that's going to be the most likely to see this across the table at some point in the future. Yeah, you're not going to see it in standard or modern because they're not legal. <laughs> no, definitely not. Formats. So, yeah. Okay. Let's first cover what Universes Beyond is for those people that may not know. And this is just magic cards designed around outside IP. And IP means intellectual property. So we've seen this before. Godzilla was kind mm-hmm. of the first one. Um, the Walking Dead obviously made a big <laughs> splash last big, year. Big, big splash, yeah. Yeah. Uh, does D&D count? Uh, I believe it does count as it is not the same universe as Magic the Gathering. The only difference is that Wizards of the Coast does happen to own Dungeons & Dragons on top. So it's kind of like an internal, external IP. Right. If they did Transformers or something, I suppose that would be right. and they have outside IP. Yeah, that's con promos, but they're, not, they're a silver border. So that's there's a little difference there. Yeah. Um, and we know there are more upcoming. Uh, Lord of the Rings has already been talked about. So there will be a Lord of the Rings set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warhammer is another IP that they've already talked about. There's going to be a crossover cards, uh, or not crossover, uh, beyond, universes beyond, beyond. Yeah, universes yeah. beyond cards. One thing we've noticed from these, they don't tend to cross over, actually. If you notice, there wasn't any magic IP in the Forgotten Realms set. Like, Jace didn't show up and fight alongside of, <laughs> of Lothal or anything like that. Brits, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that's something they're going to continue, but crossing over IPs is pl- problematic from, like, a marketing perspective as far as like the rights and stuff so my guess is they'll probably stay away they'll from keep it them separate yeah yeah well jimmy what what are your opinions on universes beyond in general and i want to note before we start this discussion you and i both yeah. recently were featured in an article on ign uh, by tom marks and we're going to put that link in the show note where we talk about um this whole thing around universes beyond and stuff but yeah, and you a know lot of community members talk about it too so i would definitely recommend reading the article it's a nice broad sort of like look at how everyone feels about it yeah tom got you know day nine and mm-hmm. all kinds of people from the community to talk about. And so, yeah, we figured we could expand on that here because, you know, we, we were only featured in the article for a few quotes. Yeah. So I was actually a part of not only the first, but the second announcement of Universes Beyond. I didn't realize it the first time I did it when a zombie hand reached out with a secret lair that it would cause such an uproar. Uh, but I've been a part of both of the announcements. So I was a part of the Godzilla one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so some people might, might think that I have a biased opinion, but I don't. Uh, obviously, Wizards of the Coast doesn't care about my opinion really in a lot of ways because I'm just out here to just say how I feel about it and as a player I generally don't mind things like this because I think the most important thing to me is not the a lot of people have talked about the integrity of like the game when you pull your opening hand and all of a sudden you've got three different IPs in your hand from different things that doesn't matter as much to me as the actual integrity of the game itself and how it plays out so if a card is being created and we see this all the time when people do fan alters or just fan cards if it's something that inherently makes Commander a worse format, like it breaks the game, it, it does things to the game that makes it unfun or unplayable, then that is a much more serious offense than if it features someone from another IP or art or whatever. Especially now that Wizards has promised that they're going to make in-universe versions of all of these mechanically unique cards to be released elsewhere. So that to me says, okay, cool. If you want to play with the Stranger Things version of this card, you have that option. If you want to play with the Magic the Gathering version of this card, you also have that option. The thing that matters to me is whether or not these cards make Commander playable or unplayable and we've seen in the past you know wizards has even printed cards that we've wrapped our heads around being like why did they make this for this format it's gonna ruin things uh so that's the thing that always is the most worrying slash thing that i'm on the lookout for i could ignore the art and just read the text and that's typically what i do yeah it's interesting i like that point a lot because i would much rather they make like 
Stranger Things characters as legendary creatures that are mostly fine than a bunch of whole breachers, right? Like, yeah. And whole oh, breacher gosh. is not like an outside IP. It's inside the wizard, the magic IP. And I think that's way more of a threat to the format, you know, cards that are just, you know, I'm going to call it bad design. Sorry to the designers out there. I'm, that I don't mean that the designers are bad. Yeah. I just mean mistakes in design are more dangerous, I think, than this outside IP thing. I like your point about... Um, Alters. I, I've played in games and people have had Star Wars alt- alters, right? They're playing yeah, their commander. Alex Kessler literally has an entire Star Wars deck, I think. Like, so many cards are altered to be that. Yeah, they're playing their commander and it's whoever the card text and rules are the same, but they've, you know, had an artist alter the art so that it's Han Solo or it's Luke yeah. Skywalker or it's the Death Star is, you know, I've seen the TIE Fighter as what? Uh, Terminate? Is that yeah, right? Terminate for yeah. sure. Um, so, oh, no, Terminate. Sorry. Vindicate. 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 Yeah. You know, it had an Kate at the end. Um, <laughs> And I've seen, you know, tons of different stuff, not just Star Wars IPs, but other IPs. So people choose to alter their cards. And for the most part, I think that stuff's cool because they've, um, you know, they've styled their deck in the way that they want to that makes sense to them. I'm more along the lines, Jimmy, where the IP itself doesn't matter as much to me. Like, I think the mechanics of the card are more important. I I don't follow Vorthos and the story and stuff a lot. So it mostly doesn't really matter to me much what, you know, as long as the art looks like up to snuff for what we right you know what we expect from the game of magic i don't want just like you know badly hand-drawn stuff <laughs> or like no art there at all because there's a certain game aesthetic to it um but in general universes beyond doesn't it doesn't bother me in that way as yeah. far as like oh you know there's going to be a marvel superhero and a you know and a stranger things character in my opening hand at the same time I, I don't know i don't worry about that too too much i will say that we're not downplaying anyone that does worry about yeah. that if that does affect your gameplay experience in the same way that a bad mechanic or bad design was that's totally fine and that is your prerogative that is your understanding and your also conception of what the game is to you and every single person that plays this game has their own version of what does magic mean to me uh, for josh and i as people that are just i think gameplay fanatics above all else oftentimes the things that matter to us may be different than yours and that's totally fine yeah i don't think we're trying to tell everybody else what to think here um just all we can say is what sort of what our opinions are jimmy to to you like what is the setting of magic is it static (laughs) is it like one thing I mean, when I look at cards from, like, very early sets and I just see some bizarro, crazy world art stuff that you don't really see as much today, it doesn't take me away from magic. I think magic, to me, has always been about personal expression above above all, everything else in the five colors and how those colors interact together. And they just happen to do so in a bunch of different interesting realms and multiverses and, and parts of the, the sort of, like, the scape of where, of where magic is. In fact, I remember when the Planeswalkers came out, I didn't care for them whatsoever. Mm, that's a really and good the story I didn't really care about either. And I remember Oath of the Gatewatch coming around and being like, I don't care at all about this story or these characters. Maybe I like like Liliana a little bit more than the other ones, but it didn't really hit me in the same way. So I was never really attached to that part of it. The thing that always interested me about magic was like, what does red mean? What happens when red combines with green and then with black? What do those cars bring out? What kind of flavor are they creating in terms of how they play with the board? And I loved always looking at the art and the flavor text and everything else to see if it made mechanical sense compared to what it is. So actually, when I get to read these cards, being a person that watched every season of Stranger Things, I actually go, oh, that's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's so cool. They're playing on this theme. And this is how it ties into magic. Fun. But would you say, and I think a lot of people, especially early on, that magic is traditionally thought of as like a high fantasy setting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elves, orcs, goblins. Yeah, and I think that's where people are kind of you know, it starts to throw them and they don't like it when, you know, guns show up, yeah, for example, or guns. cars, you yeah. know, people didn't like the fact that there was a, a, a car in, um, like a, like a Honda or whatever. In oh, one in of, the back of the walking dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even though we have vehicles in, yeah. in the setting and that didn't really make you, but those are fantasy mad. vehicles, Josh, your Honda is a regular boring old car. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a very fine line, but we've seen most games like world of Warcraft and stuff has had to do this too, where if you exist for long enough, you kind of like are looking around me, well, what else can we do? Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you're like, well, space exists. We should probably have some sci-fi elements and, you know, the the um, magic stuff like Ravnica a few years ago had some Matrix um, uh, homages in there. Right. The Demir the had the like digital rain kind of stuff going on. And we're yeah. going to have uh, Kamigawa that here, soon, which yeah. is soon. And it's definitely like a Blade Runner uh, noir, you know, uh, 
I'm not gonna say ripoff, but it's it's in it's in that kind of world. And so a lot of things have ripped up Blade Runner, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would say though that magic has branched into these areas at least a little bit. So so it's it's also not a big thing that they're sort of stepping out into these other IPs to me because it's yeah. like yeah. Importantly, well, too, the people that make this game are fans of these other things, and as it has been with science fiction and fantasy for a long, long time, people have always drawn influence from outside yeah, worlds. Kind of- now this is much more direct, obviously, because it's going directly into another IP, and we know that behind the scenes there has to be a lot of discussions being like hey can we use stranger things in our magic that magic the gathering special set and then all those negotiations have to happen so it's not just like a hey we just want to do this well it is a a little bit of marketing i gotta say like you you have to assume that like part of this is hey let's get the fans of this other thing to buy the cards and also hopefully maybe try the game and bring in some new players which i think is actually net good for the community as far as finding new players yeah Uh, but there are limits to what you want to do in order to accomplish that right i will say too that they're i think they're very careful about universes beyond in terms of when and how they're doing different things. So you'll notice that it's not a Stranger Things full-on set. It's a Stranger Things walk uh, uh, secret lair. But for uh, Lord of the Rings and Warhammer, which have a lot more thematic ties to the core magic universe, they share more they're of a Venn diagram, yeah. they're going to have a deeper set that is like a full set. And so, because they can really go into that realm without having it, you know, have a bunch of cars and stuff lying around. But are I you guess. telling me that if they could come to a, an agreement with Marvel, that they wouldn't do a full set based around the Avengers? Like, I think they totally would, right? Like, I, yeah, I think so too. Maybe there's enough elements. I think just that, like, Walking Dead and Stranger Things are just a little too far outside the Venn diagram for them to want to work that deeply and get to that sort of integration. I mean, I think we're early in the process, too. Yeah. Uh, I think as people get more used to this and they've done it more often, they can start to make that integration, like, you know, full sets or whatever. There's yeah. a there's an interesting um, comic that was released by Cardboard <laughs> Crack, uh, which we'll put on screen if you're watching the YouTube video, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the, a kind of sentiment that I've seen a lot around the magic community uh, surrounding the universes beyond, and it basically makes fun of the fact that like maybe five, ten years down the road, it might be like, I attack you... Or I attack your Jean-Luc Picard planeswalker with my Iron Man, and you're like, okay, I block with my Millennium Falcon, yeah. crewed by, <laughs> you know, my... You SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like the big joke about eventually what magic may become if we keep going down this road, and I think that's a legitimate worry that people have. What do you make of that kind of, I don't know, argument that, you know, magic's eventually going to become this cosmic soup yeah of other i love IPs. cosmic soup but yeah that was a great term <laughs> even if it is true i like that it's cosmic soup because it sounds fun um I, this is legitimate i think because at a certain point again if magic's all about personal expression and you're like i want to have iron man crewing my freaking Millennium Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. that is the coolest thing ever then you're going to build a deck around that and when you play against someone you're going to whip that out and that's what's going to happen and that other person has to, right? It's no longer just like, this is my personal expression. Now it's the other person going, are you ruining my immersion or not? Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, honestly, because I've played against full altar decks and stuff before, this isn't going to catch me super off guard. At the same time, I always have to ask the question, like, is that person playing across me? Would they have the same fervor and attachment to this game if these cards didn't exist? If they didn't exist, would I ever even meet them in a convention or wherever it is? And am I okay allowing my sort of like mental image of what magic is to be changed to have more like modern IPs in it that I'm all right? Can I stomach that to just be happy to play the game? So I don't know. It's one of those things that might be a sliding scale over time. Right now, obviously, I'm very okay with it. Given five, six years, if it completely pollutes the game, which, by the way, I don't think it will, people will always have the same... If they keep up the mechanically unique stuff being printed in the list, there will always be decks that can be more pure magic and more, I guess, other IPs. I don't know. I'm sort of torn on it because I don't know until we actually experience it. And we're not at that juncture yet, so I can't even say whether or not it's going to be something that ruins the game or not. I don't think it's realistic that it'll ever be... To the point where, like, most sets are outside RP, IP or anything like that. Because it's if not even think, that way right now. It's not well, even close yeah, to that. Well, yeah, I mean, we're in the process of kind of getting people used to the idea. So I think we'll yeah. probably skew more towards, uh, you know, obviously we have zero outside IP for, like, 25 years. And now they're just starting to. And I think right. it's going to increase. But it can only increase to a certain point, I think. Because if you're Wizards of the Coast, it's very dangerous to not have your own IP um, mixed in there and be a very strong part of your brand because yeah, then you, you start don't diluting control. yourself. Well, you yeah, you don't have control of 
a big part, let's say you want to make a Netflix show, which they're about to do mm-hmm. in five years, if all of your IP and all of your cards is Marvel and other things, you don't have any ability to do that because your game is not based on anything that you own. Yeah. So they point. can only do that to a certain point. I don't think it's realistic that we're ever going to see like a full year where like Every know, 80% of the stuff is all outside IP. It's I probably going to be the other way, 80-20. Yeah, there's only a certain percentage they can get to before it starts to hurt them in other areas because they can't sell t-shirts that are Marvel t-shirts and they can't sell, right. you know, other things. So... It, if they want to make a new video game, even though the, whatever that one that they just made kind of failed, if they want to try that again and again and again, well, they can't sell the Marvel yeah, IP and the that's Star a really Trek good IP point. and everything else. So they have to have a certain amount of, uh, uh, and a large amount, I think, by, like you said, maybe 80% of their own IP in there. So they're never going to go so crazy that we just see tons and tons and tons. But over the years, if they did it for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, and because we're in Commander, you may be able to build a deck that has a lot of it because in any given year, only 20% of the stuff was outside IP. But yeah. because I can just cherry pick that stuff over six or seven years, I might be able to build a whole commander deck. But I think those will be like theme decks around that idea, uh-huh. which is not that different than the Star Wars deck we see right now that Kessler's got or whoever, right? Yeah, I, I will say it's like the worst thing for, to happen to Magic if someone goes, oh, you play Magic the Gathering? And they go, yeah, I love Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. So Wizards definitely has to be careful of that as they go forward. But like, I remember Conspiracy bringing friends of mine that were into board games into Magic for the first time. This may have a similar effect, and that to me still remains the most pressing thing, which is like, I want more people to play Magic with me. Yeah, this that's is the way worth to, it. If this is a way to like at least get someone a taste of it, and then they realize, oh, wow, they released four other sets that are in the world. There's an Innistrad one, a Ravnica one, whatever. Then great. So. Okay, let's talk about the Stranger Things uh, <clears throat> secret layer. The product details, just go over them really quickly here. So it's going to be 10 total cards, eight legendary creatures, one clue token, and a brand new land. The secret layer drop will be available to order between October 18th, which is in the past as you're watching this, and November 15th. So there's about a one-month window where you can order it. It's going to be like other secret layers where once it's gone, it's gone. Yep. Uh, there are sort of two versions. There's the non-foil version, which is about 40 bucks, and the foil version, which is about 50. That's US dollars. Um, seven of the legendary creatures have this mechanic called Friends Forever, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then one is the Mind Flayer, which is sort of the bad guy from the first, well, all the seasons. All the seasons, yeah. yeah which is just a monoblack regular legendary creature. And we wanted to note here, in case there's any confusion, that the Rules Committee for Commander has already come out and stated that these will be legal in Commander. Similar to The Walking Dead, they are not going to ban them mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, uh, to no one's surprise, if they weren't going to ban the Walking Dead stuff, they're just, you know, yeah. they're going to let this stuff go. And I think they've kind of made the statement, and, and this makes sense to me, that like, hey, Wizards is the company that makes the cards and prints them and gets to say which ones are legal. We just make rules based on you know, what should yeah. be banned and things like that. I wanted to talk about accessibility here, Jimmy. Yep. One of the biggest points of controversy for Walking Dead and this is the fact that these cards are only available for this limited timing window. Mm-hmm. Now, at least Secret Layers in the past used to be like, sometimes only a week or sometimes even less than that, I think, early on. This is a full month. But still, is that... is that long enough that you think enough of these cards will go into the, you know, the worldwide card pool? What happens in, like, five years or whatever? I mean, we're going to talk about the list in a second, but... um, you know, just these cards, the versions with the actual characters on them. Like, do you think that's going to be a that's going to be fine or that's problematic? So we don't have much uh, information from Wizards of the Coast about actual sales numbers. So how many of these are sold? We do know that the Walking Dead secret layer was one of the best selling of all time. Was the best selling, the best selling at of all that time. time yeah, right? I do know that when you go on the secret layer website, you can buy like up to 30, 50 copies of these if you want, which a lot of big box retailers do and will do for something like this. Well, fact, yeah, LGSs and stuff. I don't LGS. think Walmart's. Yeah, yeah, sorry, not that, sorry. Big box LGSs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of this is dependent too on the window. So we have a full month for this to happen. A lot of people will buy these cards. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be more versions of these cards in existence than there are Thrasioses. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, you'd almost think there would. Well, who knows? But that's the thing. We don't really have the numbers. Hard. Yeah, we I don't have the numbers. Way. <laughs> but I do know that. But they can yeah. they can reprint Thrasios. Yes. At any time, they have have they reprinted Thrasios? I don't think they, they have, have once in Commander Legends as a foil etch. Oh uh, right, right. But the thing is, yeah, they can't. Re- they may they will not reprint these specific cards with these arts on them, and that's what makes them collectors is because it's the Walking Dead or the Stranger Things version of these mechanical cards. So the question that I have is just like, I, we don't know the actual numbers, but we do know that they sell like gangbusters and that there's going to be a lot of them out there. And the, the only thing is that they cannot reprint these specific ones because I think that's sort of the secret of their promise. Yeah. 
but the cards themselves will exist in other ways, which we'll talk about again in a second. So I don't know. I think like five years from now, yeah, if you're a Stranger Things fan and this IP is still going strong and hasn't tanked itself like Game of Thrones, then yeah, these cards may be worth a lot more then. But in the meantime, if you want to get them between now and I'd say like, I don't know, middle of next year, there's going to be a lot of copies of them running around. I really like that comparison about Thrasios. Let's say we change it to like Zexar or something right now, which yeah. is like a random legendary that was in a commander product. There probably is going to be a lot more 11s than Zexaras. For sure. In, you know, whenever these actually get shipped and you get them on your doorstep. So in February or March of next year, yeah, almost certainly, right? Because like you said, a lot of LGS and stuff are just going to buy, you know, 100 50, 100 of yeah. Yeah, boxes of the secret layers because they'll get all, make a million accounts and just... Uh, no, you can do it from one account even. Yeah, yeah. There's a maximum though, right? Yeah, yeah. You can so do if you want to order 600 of them you, in your, you know, your Star City Games or whatever, but it's easy to just make a bunch of different accounts in order. Yeah. As many and, and Wizards but. is not trying to stop people from doing that either. Yeah, they want like, how many do you want to buy? Yes, we'll yeah, make that. They many. want people to buy as many of these as they can. Uh, it's like part of the whole reason that they're doing it too. Is like these are obviously great money makers for the company, and it helps expand the brand. There's obviously lots of upsides. Okay, so let's talk about the other thing that we alluded to. You talked about it a little earlier, and Mark Rosewater. Actually actually confirmed this on uh, his blog, Blogatog. He said that when, uh, because people were worried that they were only going to be available in the secret layer and nowhere else, and this would be the only way to get them. And, and Wizards had said after the Walking Dead thing that they would leave themselves open to, um, or, or they were going to, I don't know how fervently they said it, but basically making reskinned versions of these same mechanics on a card so that functionally the same card with like a different character name and uh something in the universe of magic different art but it would it would function the exact same basically how godzilla cards were yeah you know they said uh what was it luminous brood moth was also one of the i forget Ghidorah or something Ghidorah. it was on the mothra one. Oh, mothra it was mothra. yeah 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 and it basically said like these count as the same card you can only have four total between the two different cards and there was a reskin and so uh they had said they were going to do that, and Mark Rosewater confirmed this on his blog. He said, whenever secret layers get mechanically unique cards, we will then follow up months later in the list with magic versions. Now, if you don't know what the list is, in set boosters, I think it's like one in every four packs, there is a slot for a card that is not in the set. So you buy Midnight Hunt set boosters. Yep. There's 300 cards on the list that could be reprinted in those set boosters and they come at kind of a rare rate and the little prof just did a video about this we'll put the links on the show notes and probably a thumbnail on right now so if you want to learn more about how the list works he's not as prof is he's not real uh, hugely in favor of the <laughs> list in general but um it kind of explains what it is and how it works but basically gives a chance to reprint cards from any set in the past without like putting them into standard or yep. whatever and like as we said the list cards only appear pretty rarely right now. So they're in, in one of four packs, mm -hmm. only in set boosters, which is not very often because, you know, one in four packs means you, there's only 30 set boosters per, per booster box. So yeah. that's like seven per box. And then there's 300 cards on the list. Uh, don't quote me on the math, but it's something like, what, 400 boxes to get one of each card on the list, basically. I mean, I know there's rarity and stuff, but it, they're not um, very common. However, yep. Blake came out and said that uh, for these secret layer cards, and I don't know what they're going to do moving forward, but at least for the Stranger Things stuff, they're going to reprint them at like a higher rate on the list than they normally do. Yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise, I think we'd see some crazy price gouging as a result. And also, set boosters aren't as bought as much as the other ones necessarily. There's draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters. And if there's only one place to get things on the list, and they're saying we're going to put these cards in there, it makes sense. So I think that's a good move that they're upping the, the, the count. But we also won't know until we start cracking those packs, right? Yeah, I think somebody's done the math or there might be a... a something online says that... And I, I, listen, I don't always source this info, but <laughs> I, I believe it's correct in that the Stranger Things cards reskinned as magic cards mm -hmm. on the list will occur at about the same rate as a mythic rare in that set does gotcha yeah that, that they've got the odds down to about that now that, like you said that's only in set boosters so when you're in draft boosters or opening packs in other ways i don't know maybe collector's boosters will have them too do they have cards from the list i don't know i don't think so okay so yeah. anyway but they'll be more common than we would expect from a, a you know a rare or mythic mm -hmm. rare that's normally on the list or whatever so 
I I'm hopeful that that will get enough of these these magic versions of these cards into uh, the worldwide card pool to make it like reasonable to pick those up, so they won't be astronomical prices. Yeah, I think the last thing Wizards wants to do here is make a mistake with this, make them astronomically hard to get, and as a result, the prices will rise. People will say, "Why is it? Why why is it even being printed again if we can't even get our hands on it?" Well, it also would versions. force people to yeah play the stranger the 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 versions yeah. that maybe they don't want to play if they want to keep the high fantasy aesthetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they they should hopefully make it accessible enough yeah that like you can get your hands on them that's that's our hope but i think at this point the jury's still out on whether that's gonna be accomplished yeah and again we don't even know i personally don't know if set boosters are the hot thing to open so you know normally with draft boosters and standard sets you know you're gonna get a lot of those cards uh, some specialty sets like modern horizons 2 sold at gangbusters but set boosters they i don't know actually how popular they are but we will just see when the time comes how much many of these cards will be out in the wild yeah it's really interesting to think about because even if set boosters are wildly popular, are they like half of what all the booster boxes that are open now or something? Yeah, or are they, sure. what's the percentage wise? So yeah, it's not going to be the same rarity as a mythic rare in the set mm-hmm. because in draft and set boosters, you can open the same mythic rare, but not from these, you know, the list cards. The list, so, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I hope uh, as this all shakes out that there is enough that people can get the cards if they want the magic versions. Yeah. And, and what they could do, I think too, is run these on the list for multiple sets. So I think that would make the most sense for sure, especially because there are going to be more integrations like this in the future. And for sure, there's going to be more chances to hopefully open them in the list. Yeah, that would make it a lot better if it's just like the next set and the set after that. It was as common in set boosters as a mythic rare from the mm-hmm. set. Now, all of a sudden, from two sets or three sets, I think there would be enough put into the ecosystem that it would be fine yeah. for accessibility for people. Yeah. Uh, okay. We've got... Um, of course, we haven't actually talked specifically about the secret, the Stranger Things cards yet. And yep. after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss the specific cards and some of the cool things going on with the design and maybe how we might build some of those decks. So stick around. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back talking about the Secret Lair Stranger Things edition that is on sale right now, uh, if you're watching this video when it comes out, until November 15th of 2021. 
Let's talk about one of the things that's, a, that's across almost every single card, and that is a brand new mechanic called Friends Forever. Yeah, so there's eight new legendary creatures. Uh, seven of them have this Friends Forever text, and I'll read it. It just says, Friends Forever, you can have two commanders if both have Friends Forever. So very similar to Partner With specifically, and it would say a card name in the past. It was like, you can partner this card with another card. But in this case, Friends Forever looks for other cards that have the text Friends Forever on them. Yeah, so you can partner any of the seven with any of the other six that remain, um, which is cool. It creates this little, you know, uh, this little compartment of stuff Mm -hmm. that can be combined in certain ways, but it doesn't bleed out into the greater, like, partner um, ecosystem, which is a lot harder to design for. Uh, a lot of people have been asking if they're going to errata these or change these or when they do the magic reskins of these have partners on it. I think Aaron Forsyth came out on Twitter and said, no, they're not going to do that. Yep. Makes total sense to me. Partners are hard to design. That's why they went to monocolored for Commander Legends because every time you you design one, you have to worry, what's it going to do when it interacts with the other you know, 40 now or whatever partners that are out there? Yep. And so it's way easier to just design a little ecosystem that's like, okay, we only have to worry about how this interacts with the other six cards in this little grouping. Yeah. So I actually like this as a solution to be able to have, you know, two commanders in a command zone, characters from the show that usually stick together and not have it be like, well, how does this partner if I partner with Thrasios? I actually think that's amazing. And I think the partner, uh, the Friends Forever mechanic is one of my favorite parts of this secret layer because they all get to interact specifically with each other. It's a tiny little ecosystem of partners and it opens up, you know, like a bunch of new decks ideas but it's contained instead of just eight new decks from eight new legendary creatures you actually have and i'm not going to do the math but it's probably like 50 new decks that you could make because of the way that you can you can have hopper with dustin or you can have hopper with 11 or you can have hopper with mike and and each one of those can have the other connection so there's yeah a ton of different ways to build decks which i think makes it a lot more useful than like i can only build eight total decks out of this Mm -hmm. makes the value a little bit higher if if you're the the secret layer and this is literally says the word commander on it which is screams again hey look we're making these for commander we know what they made these all right let's go through the cards real quickly here again we're not going to do deep dive breakdowns but it is fun to talk about i do think the cards are cool do you think the cards are cool i think the cards are cool and i think none of them are busted and i think actually pairing a lot of them has already given me like oh that could be kind of fun yeah oh that's cool i haven't seen that before all right, let's read the first one, which is Chief Jim Hopper. Haha, it's two red and white for a 4 4 with menace. Whenever he attacks, investigate once for each non token attacking creature. And again, all of the main characters on the show will have friends forever, so they can partner with another one of the cards that has friends forever on it. Only the Mind Flayer does not have friends forever. Obviously, yeah. you, it, it wouldn't make the story sense if it could partner with one of the other ones. Uh, so, well, I should say, too, that. Um, a lot of these, I think one, two, three, four, five, six, have an investigate theme to them, yeah. care about clue tokens in some way or interact with clue tokens. So the fact that there's a Boros one, it is, it does say the word attacks on it, which we generally are like <laughs> enough Boros, but it, it's card advantage on attacks, mm-hmm. uh, which I like quite a bit. I think this is a, a card that Boros really wants. Yeah, and we've seen this similarly. It's like Winoda has a similar vibe to this. It's like you want to attack with a bunch of unique individual creatures to trigger a bunch of things. So Chief Jim Hopper here is going to get you a bunch of investigate tokens. And of course, in the show, they're always trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So that makes sense. They want clues. Um, And so I actually like this. Now, obviously investigate tokens clue tokens are not that great at the end of the day because it's two mana to draw a card off of them. And it's like, great, you just made 10 artifacts. It's going to take you 20 man to use all of them if right. you actually want to use them. But I do find that cracking a clue here and there, and Boros is often has the problem where it's like runs out of gas and doesn't have a lot to do because it has no cards in hand. Yeah. So there's a way to spend mana in that, you know, once you get to that point to start getting back in the game if, you know, you get board wiped or whatever. Uh, I think Jim Hopper's probably good if you partner. I'm going to say partner with, but we know, we, I mean, friends, friends forever, forever with. Yeah. Uh, some, something with green because I think you'll want Wolfgar, which doubles attack triggers. Oh, yeah, so yeah. So you get two clues for every attacking creature that's not a token. Uh, and then a bunch of non-token creatures as well. So a lot of so- low CMC, low mana value creatures. Yeah, probably with haste. You know, you yep. want like little hasty creatures so you can recover fast if you need to. And then it feels like you're going to put a bunch of, you know, cares about having a lot of artifacts. Because like you said, Clues are going to stack up. You're not going to be able to have the mana all the time to just, uh, you know, crack them for cards. Yeah. So using them in other ways with Inspiring Statuary or Gear Per Ether Grid, you know, it, similar to like a Tago deck or something like that where oh, you're, Tago, you're using the artifacts in other ways to create mana or deal damage or whatever. A card that's going to be relevant for all these is Academy Manufacturer as well. Uh, it basically says if you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, you create one of each yeah. instead. So it's going to be good with all, all the investigations. Yeah, almost all these cards. 
Okay, so the extra combats might also be good with Hopper just because, oh, for sure. you know. It's got red. And it doubles your attack triggers if you Boros attack wants twice. that. All right, let's talk about the next one, which is Max the Daredevil. One red green for a 3-2 legendary human with haste. And this would add the green for Hopper. Yep. And it says, whenever you cast your second spell each turn, untap target creature, then investigate. So this is like cast second spell, untap creature. It's easy to miss. I think it can be important. And then also make the clue. Seems yeah, like it could got, go well with Hopper. And it's got green, so a lot of tappers in the in those whole in that whole world. Obviously, the, you can just untap them, tap them again for more mana, and you're trying to cast spells, so it means you're going to need more mana to do more things. Yeah, um, I really like that synergy. Like, if you have a Bloom Tender, and oh, it's yeah. tapping for at least three, so now that gives you the mana to cast two spells, mm-hmm. and then it untaps, which gives you the ability to cast two spells on the next player's turn, because it does say each turn. Yeah, that's so right. So I can actually cast two spells on my turn, make a clue, cast two spells on Jimmy's turn, make a clue. Um, typically, this is like a red blue type of thing so yeah. seeing it in red green is a little interesting as well green typically does not have untapping abilities to this degree at least i don't think yeah so on, you on could, like a spells matter you could pair thing. this with somebody that's got blue or also with hopper for the um for the green that yeah, hopper for probably Clark. wants or whatever yeah so a lot of cool things with max here um will the wise is will the, the wise one. this is black and a white for a one two legendary creature human when will the wise enters or leaves the battlefield each opponent may investigate each opponent who doesn't loses one life and you investigate x times where x is one plus the number of opponents who investigate this way so you're always going to investigate. Temp with investigate, yeah. So no matter what, you will always do it at least once. You're getting one clue token no matter what when you play Will. But then if Jimmy decides to also make a clue, you'll make two. Yeah. And if Megan and Mel also, then you'll get four total. And if they don't, if they, they say, I'm not giving you an extra clue because I don't need it, yeah. then they lose a life. Yeah. yeah. And he likes to be blinked because when he enters or leaves the battlefield. So actually, if you blink him, he'll leave and then enter again, which two? will be two. Yeah. Minimum. Maybe more, maybe eight, right? Because yeah. your opponents get the chance to choose on leaving and entering. Yep. And you're in black and white, so you have Ephemerate, uh, Conjurer's Closet. There's lots of different ways to obviously get him on and off the battlefield. And also, just at a lot, notably, a lot of these uh, are very low CMC yeah, commanders. Two, two, CMC two or three, well. yeah, for a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. you can sack him and recur him, animate dead. Shire, Shizo's caretaker, because he is one He's power. A one yeah, yeah. So sacking him every turn seems really, really good. He comes back, and then you have the chance to make eight clues every time. Mm-hmm. And then I think you're doing a lot of the stuff that... Um, you know, that cares about having a lot of artifacts on the battlefield because once again, more clues than you have mana to spend on them is probably where you're going to be. Gear Ether Grid. Yeah. Josh is one of Josh's uh, pet cards. Inspiring Statuary. So oh, yeah. it'd be so, so good because it just turns all the clues into mana rocks. You can also bounce and recast Will with like Erratic Portal or something like that because uh, he is two mana. So yeah, cool stuff I think you can do there. All right, next up we have Dustin, Gadget Genius, also my favorite character in the show. Dustin's great. I have uh, Dustin's hat somewhere. Yeah, nice. Two of blue and a white for a 2-3. You can tap it to add colorless, colorless, and spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. So there was already a... a, a uh, <laughs> didn't you play Dalakos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar. But yeah, it had Dalakos red. Has, it was red, blue, red. Right, and also cares about like equipping or equipment in yeah, some yeah, way. Yeah. But it's similar, right? I think you can look at Dalakos on EDH Rec and sort of get a lot of ideas. Uh, again, equip costs are activated abilities of artifacts, so that's mm-hmm. way to go. And also, is sacking your clues costs two mana, so Dustin interacts with clues really well, just pays for the, the yeah. activation cost. It is a four mana commander to yeah. add two, which is a little bad, but if you're trying to add again, think about the colors that white and blue is going to add to your deck with the Friends Forever mechanic, and that may be why you're doing it if you already have an artifact theme. Yeah, also, it feels like Dustin could have been three mana. Also, Dustin instantly pays for your clues. Yeah. You can pay two mana to do it to activate. I already said that, but that. Oh, yeah, but, I did. Sorry. Thanks for repeating. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> um, okay, the next one is Lucas the Sharpshooter. Blue and red for a 1 3. You can tap and sacrifice an artifact. Tap Lucas and sacrifice an artifact. And then Lucas the Sharpshooter deals one damage to target creature. Goad that creature. Oh. I love anytime a card says the word goad on it. Goat is a sweet mechanic. They need to have uh, happen more often. Sacrificing an artifact, though, that's um, that's a that's a, sh- a steep cost. We we yeah. are gonna have a lot of clues uh, just sort of hanging out. We've already mentioned with most of these commanders, so it's obviously gonna pair with all the ones we've talked about already. Um, like you said, I think Academy Manufacturer is really good if you've got Lucas. Oh yeah, because, so many things to sacrifice. Yeah, you're especially just making tokens. Three you... things every time that yeah. you can sack. Yeah, I think that's really really good. I feel like you want to use him more than once a turn because all he needs to do is sack an artifact and only pay mana. So untapping abilities, Josh, you're great at this in blue, obviously. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. I kind of like Chakram Retriever and Mirren Spy, which are basically when you cast spells or artifact spells, you can untap target creature. Mm-hmm. So you're just like 
you know, tap, sacrifice your clue, deal one damage, go that thing. Then I can cast a spell, untap Lucas, do it again. Yeah. You know, maybe do it two or three times, maybe be able to do it on other people's turns. Uh, sometimes you're killing the creature, giving Lucas death touch would do make that a lot easier, but sometimes you just want to goad the thing. Yeah. So I love this card, by the way, because it's literally what he's doing in the show, which is just like, the monster's attacking someone else. You know what? I'm going to use my... On the Demogorgon. Boom! And flick a little mini artifact or I guess a pebble at them to fake make them attack someone else. Oh, that reminds me, Togo really good in this deck because it makes rocks. And uh, what is he shooting with his slingshot? Probably rocks. Rocks. Oh, very yeah. thematic, yeah. <laughs> uh, good card, though. I think that was actually a lot of fun. All right, next up is one of the main characters of the show. That are all main characters, but this is the real main character. It is 11, the mage, in my favorite colors, one blue, black, and red, a human wizard, three, five. Wow, she's buff. Yeah. She's she's got more toughness than Hopper. <laughs> Your maximum hand size that is weird. Is she 11. is pretty tough. She is tough, yeah. I mean, she she bleeds out of her nose. Yeah. That's so tough. Okay. Your maximum hand size is 11. Whenever 11, the mage attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost. So I want to note that a lot of people were kind of making fun of this card or making jokes that, you know, the number 11 doesn't really actually have much to do with 11's character. Yeah, almost nothing actually. <laughs> so so, so making this sort of contingent upon caring about 11 plus cards in hand, people thought was kind of a flavor fail. One thing I will say is that magic uh, in MTG is sort of they count like cards in hand in your library as like your spells mm -hmm. so the fact that 11 can like use your mind and like do what is basically magic right. free spells does make sense to me things. that she would have more cards in hand like she's just that's what her that's what representative of like having magical abilities yeah so that kind that kind of makes sense i mean basically you want to have a lot of cards in hand so you can cheat out instants and sorceries that's the type of uh, deck it's going to be going to want a lot of card draw yes yeah. It should have been, you have to have exactly 11 cards in your hand. Having 11 or more feels like a little bit of a Yeah, cheat. you can just have 20 cards in your hand if you're doing it right. Which is probably what you're trying to do. Yeah. Just have a lot. Uh, Wolfgar, also very good at this because it's an attack trigger. So you could lit you could you could draw twice and cast two instants and sorcerers for free, and, free with yeah. wolfgar out so if Luke's you pair this life. with somebody who's got green you're you're good to go there yeah obviously blue this is like the ristic study has to be in this deck because there's no other way to continually get so much card draw in the game Sphinx, all that stuff yeah mystic grimoire i mean if she's in blue so it won't be hard to get above 11 cards if you want to yeah and here's the thing once you do this once and you cast expropriate the game should be over. Time stretch. So it's yeah. not like you're doing anything crazy even to get there. You're drawing cards. You're in blue and black, two of the best colors to do so. And you can, again, friends forever with any of the other colors to make it a five-color deck or a four-color deck. Go for it. Because uh, we will say that 11 is the only one of all these cards that has three colors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And she does synergize with the clues as well in that you want uh, at least 11 cards in your hand. So right. it might be worth it if you get to your turn and you're like, oh, I'll just draw two here, attack with 11. That'll get me up to 11 cards. Now I can cast expropriate for thing. free or whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. The last two um, of, the, of the legendary creatures don't have uh, anything to do with investigate here. So Mike, the dungeon master, is the last of sort of the main characters. He is one green white for a 2-2, two, two, and you can pay two and tap Mike and choose target card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield creature this card. turn. Sorry, target creature card in your graveyard. Very important. <laughs> that was put there from the battlefield this turn, and then return it to the battlefield tapped. So Mike says, if this thing died this turn, um, then you can return it to the battlefield, but it'll become untapped and only creatures. This is... Uh, pretty powerful. I mean, this mm -hmm. type of ability tends to be very strong. You can kind of get infinite dies triggers if you pair it with a creature that enters the battlefield and then untaps Mike. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a lot of mana, but, you know, Hyrax Tower Scout does it, and then there's all the cards that classically pair with uh, Kiki Jiki or Splinter Twin if you pair them with blue. So you can Bounding Crisis, Pestermite, Deceiver Exarch. Those will come in. All the stuff that works with Vanifar kind of um, come in. Untap Mike so you can use him again. And if you have Sack Outlets like the Altars and things like that, you could get into loops for sure. Yeah, Ashnod's Altar is obviously the right one here because it gives you two colorless mana, so you just need to find a way to untap Mike. And again, all those cards we talked about. Yep. So you combine that with a Perforos Escability, Impact Tremors, and Blamo. You're entering the battlefield a bunch of times, killing everyone. You're in business. Game. You are in business. Uh, You're also, playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> also, Seedborn Muse and uh, Quest for Renewal just sound really good because yeah. you can at least activate Mike every turn. Uh, and if anybody killed them, you could bring them back. It would be hard to get rid of the Seedborn Muse or whatever. Yep. Uh, Sun Titan 
seems really good with this, right? Sounds like a job for Sun, Sun Titan. Titan! <laughs> That's all I every think about time, every yeah. time I see that card now. So uh, I, if yeah. you had like a Panharmonicon or maybe an Illusionist Bracers uh, okay. on mic, you might be able to like, you know, you maybe have a fetch land in your graveyard, so you get two things back, the Sun Titan, and it brings back a fetch land and something else, and then you're untapping Mike with Pestermite or whatever, and you're able to, maybe you can get into some kind of loop yeah. where with Sun Titan you're just bringing back because think of how much land you could get on the battlefield or whatever. There's got to be some combos with Sun yeah. Titan. That's all I know. There's got to be some combos with like your death renders, your death mantles, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So the, Mike is cool. I also like the flavor. He's the dungeon master. So you can be like, oh, that creature you thought you killed, it's back. actually back. That's cool. I never no! thought about that. Yeah, you're probably just mostly using it on like ETB effects on creatures, right? Like you get your Terrastone out, you sack it. He brings it back for two mana. Yeah. Get the ETB effect again. I think play play this with black so that you can get those like edict effects or the, uh, the reanimate type things. Play or crafter. Oh, play crafter. Boy, brutal, right? Oh, that is brutal. Boom. You, everybody sacks something. Sack play crafter. Bring it back. Everybody sacks two things. Yeah. Yeah. You said Terrastodon, right? That's that's me. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe do that. Maybe do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're Mike. <laughs> it's your dungeon. All right. The last card here it's a legendary creature but it does not have friends forever on it it is mind flare the shadow for black 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 for a legendary enchantment creature a horror that's a nine nine mind flare the shadow isn't a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own hmm. so it's an enchantment otherwise at the beginning of your end step exile the bottom card of each opponent's library face down for as long as those cards remain exiled you may look at them you may cast permanent spells from among them and you may sp- and you may spend mana as though or mana of any color to cast those spells so mind flare cannot play lands it cannot play instants or sorceries but it can cast permanents so creatures enchantments planeswalkers okay question Yep. Why isn't this called Demogorgon? I don't know. It is the Demogorgon, right? That's what they refer to it constantly in the show. Yeah, and also like we've we just had a Mind Flayer in the Forgotten Realm set because oh, a Mind Flayer right. is a character from D anD D. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they never call it the Mind Flayer in the show. It's always the, the Demogorgon. Unless is this the creature that's behind the Demogorgon? Like, I don't know. Or it the Demog- just, it just feels like this could have been the Demogorgon. Change the art and so. You know, honestly, when I watched the show, the difference between Demogorgon and the Mind Flayer was always very confusing. The Mind Flayer, <laughs> I think, is the big like creature that they see in the clouds right like, okay you know, that and the demogorgon see. is the physical like guy on is like a minion of the mind flare but I fine see. you could just still have the demogorgon be this character because the mind flare i get it he was like a bigger badder thing but yeah. you just save it for later they're always going to do steve at some point right they, we didn't have any steve i wish they had steve i want him in the ice cream outfit steve is like my favorite character on the whole show so yeah, he's one of my favorite here. actors right now too so he's all great. right let's get back to mind flare here though um rhino lantern junk troller there's a bunch of cards that kind of uh allow you to put cards on the bottom of your opponent's libraries. Yeah. And then you can obviously choose the cards there that you can play with the Mind Flayer. So that seems very good. Uh, you also probably want to be able to sack your stuff to keep um, Mind... To turn Mind Flayer off so mm-hmm. it's not a creature. So let's imagine they're like, I'm going to go sword to Plowshare. And you're like, you know, I have, what is it? Three things that are owned by other players. Well, if I can sack one of them, then all of a sudden it's not a creature anymore and the Swords of Blasters fizzles. So that Claws of Gix will allow you to do that too. Yeah, I would say you could also play this in any deck that's playing your Stolen Strategies or your Xanathars or your Send Triplets because it's just a really fun way to grab stuff. And also it it recurs every single turn on your end step. You get three more cards. You only get to see them as well. I think this would be great with everyone's favorite Vidalcanori because then you can flash out a permanent at flash speed that you're stealing from other people. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, that seems cool. I already like give it virtual hate. It's seven mana, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of mana. It's a Before lot of mana. you start getting that card advantage, you got to put in a lot of work. Yeah, but hey, maybe you're in the colors to do so. Cabal covers. All right, and there's one more card. It's kind of the, the surprise card, the mm-hmm. extra card that comes in the drop, and they actually um, they announced this like after... A, a, a few days after the whole drop was sort of revealed, so that's why we're wearing different clothes now, and you can probably tell that. We, yeah, we're <laughs> no, like, we just oh, did we, a quick change. <laughs> we should talk about this because uh, it's an interesting uh, and it's a land. So yeah, do you want to read it, Jimmy? Yep, this is uh, everyone's favorite Hawkins National Laboratory, a big set piece in the first season, uh, and it it's a flip and land. A and the second season, yeah. And it's a flip land, and on the back side it says the upside down. So this is taking sort of your MDFC slash flip cards, transform cards. Uh, interesting flavor. So on the front, it's a legendary land. You can tap for colorless mana. You can also pay for mana and tap to investigate, which means you create a colorless clue artifact token that you can pay two mana to, sacrifice, and draw a card. 
And then the additional text on the Hawkins National Laboratory says, at the beginning of your end step, if you can, if you sacrifice three or more clues this turn, transform Hawkins National Laboratory. And it transforms into the Upside Down. When this land transforms into the Upside Down, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. When the creature put onto the battlefield with the Upside Down leaves the battlefield, transform the Upside Down. And you can also tap to pay one life and add a black mana. So this card is black color identity. Yeah, can't go in decks that do not have black in them because it does count both sides mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a flip card or whatever when counting the color. I think you probably need to have some investigate going on for this to be any good, right? Like you yes. can't rely on this card as the only card in your deck that's going to be creating <laughs> clues because otherwise you're going to have to go... Four mana. Five mana, really, because this is a land right. and you have to tap it. So five mana, make a clue, do that three times, then sack all those clues in the same turn... That's six mana just on clues alone. And you've spent three turns paying five mana to do this. Like, yeah. it does not seem worth it in any way, shape, or form to have this in your deck if you don't have some other things making clues. A lot of other things making clues, actually, because I think, you know, if you're playing black, which this card demands that you have to have in your deck, then you already have a whole suite of reanimate-type effects that are going to be way more efficient and worth a card slot. Now, this is just a land that can add a mana at the very minimum, so it's not taking up a spell slot. It's just very hard to get the flip over because that's six mana worth of clues unless you're finding another way to sacrifice the clue tokens like to an artifact eater. Or oh, whatever. that's interesting. I didn't think about that. It doesn't say you have to sacrifice the clues to their own ability. You yep. can sacrifice them to KCI or something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, or yeah, ATOG cool. type effects. Yeah. You still have to have the three clues. Though, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are being like, this goes in every black deck. No, no, no it does not. No, because there is a cost to having a land that just taps for colorless because you know you can only have so many of those in your deck and you're basically sacrificing a slot that would go to you know a ancient tomb or a rogue's passage or you know a reliquary tower or a commander command beacon or one of these other effects that you homeward path right you can only have so much of that stuff and there's enough of that right now that i want whatever my utility lands are to have a high probability that i can do the thing Mm -hmm. otherwise i'd rather just have westvale abbey or something right yeah this makes the most sense i think with the friends forever pairings in the set because almost every single one of the stranger things cards has investigate on them so those are going to be the ways that you're going to want to use and get those clues out and i think ashnod's altar seems like the perfect card in this deck because you need two mana to sacrifice a clue and just paying two mana by itself doesn't feel that great to so be you honest. sack a creature sack some creatures at least, some. At least and you can get one those. of them back too with yeah there the, you go yeah there's it, it is a powerful effect for your land to flip over and bring a creature from your graveyard to mm-hmm. the battlefield it's yeah. not to your hand like that's pretty powerful and the fact that you can maybe do this again because the land will flip itself back over yeah um you know, if you're you've got enough investigate going on, it does feel like worth playing for the effect. It's just, yep. uh, yeah, I think you probably, like you said, you need multiple cards that are creating clues. A or, lot. I mean, your whole deck, I think, almost needs to be pointing in this or direction. Or at least then. your commanders, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. can reliably be creating clues. Like maybe you've got some commanders that are creating clues, and you know, only two or three other cards in your deck are, but you reliably, you know, a big part of your strategy mm-hmm. is counting on having clues on the battlefield. Yep. And again, Academy Manufacturer, the best card that, uh, I mean, it's just the best card knowing that, that you're <laughs> making all these different tokens. There is some deck out there that's all about the tokens at this point. Yeah. It is cool flavor too. Yeah. You, if you investigate enough, you will find the answer, which is there is another world underneath our yeah. world and it's located beneath this laboratory. <laughs> kind of creepy. And then when the thing that you're there, it comes back, it dies. Oh, we're back to the normal world. Just end of season, right? <laughs> yeah. I really like the card. I really like the flavor. I really like all the cards, actually. Yeah, I think the flavor's great, and we've talked about this. Just having these com- like sort of uh, in their small community of commander pairings, just like, oh, look, you have like 20 new interesting options, and you can't break the other partners. That seems in- totally fine to me. All right, that was our quick sort of review of all the cards. Um, and, well, I guess it's time for the two listeners, and we're going to go back to the first half of the episode where we ask you, what do you think of the Stranger Things secret layer? Are you excited about them? Do you hate them? Mm-hmm. Will you build a deck around one or more of them? And on, and then just more broadly, like, what do you think about universes beyond and this thing that's starting to happen where magic is reaching out its, outside of its own IP and bringing in other IPs to the, to the game? Yeah, let us know if there's anything that we missed. We covered some of the things about it, but there's obviously a lot of different complaints and compliments about this sort of thing so if you have either of those please again remember to keep it civil in the comments we've already had the community almost tear itself apart over this the first time around and we saw just how pointless that was so we all love magic we all love playing the game and we love playing it with our friends so stay friendly stay <laughs> friendly all right this uh episode is brought to you by channelfireball.com slash commands if you want to get your hands on magic product, magic singles, anything for your commander decks, if you want to start to build one of these secret layer decks and you want to get all the cards for it, 
channelfireball.com slash command has a new marketplace. That means they have a ton of vendors that are pushing down on the prices. So they have really good prices. They have really high inventory because there's a lot of different vendors. And also Channel Fireball is vetting the vendors. They are checking to make sure that their vendors have business licenses. So they're professionals. So you know you're going to get a really high level of, of service, a high quality of service. You're not going to get something shipped to you by somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing because they're just trying to sell like, you know, 10 cards out of their collection and they've never done it before. Yep. And you're supporting local game stores as well because those are a lot of the vendors that are up there. And we've known that because of the pandemic, a lot of these stores are struggling. And so this is a great great way for them to get their stuff out there to people across the country that might not be able to visit them physically. Yep. Uh, and then once you get all those cards, you want to protect them. Ultra Pro makes the best products to protect all of your game pieces. They make the Eclipse sleeves that Jimmy and I use on Love. all of our decks. They make Satin Tower deck boxes, Mythic Collection. Their stuff is really, really high quality, will protect your decks really, really well. I put basically all of my decks into some form of Ultra Pro deck box because between the Satin Towers and the Mythic Collections, I know that nothing's going to happen to them. Yep. I love those Satin Towers quite a bit. All right. No end step for this episode. It was Let's, supposed to be a mini set, but I think yeah, it was just it regular. A four episode, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, clean up. Big thanks to our team here at the Command Zone. You want to try and do it in one breath? Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Grav Golati, and our newest team members, Truck Ty, Jamie Block, Damon Lenz, Shauna Gillis, and Evan Limberger. You took a small breath there. I heard did it. Did I? Yeah. You went. I felt like I didn't. You didn't, Jamie Block? Damon, I, I heard it. Maybe I, I cheated. It. You know what? Lot. Audience, let us know if you're still listening. All 10 of you. And big thanks. <laughs> To Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animation that live behind us on set oftentimes. And, of course, start our show on our YouTube channel. Find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Do, 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 do. All right, bye, everyone. Hopper's alive. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>